Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. I'm Rebecca Plum, your big sister. And I'm Sean Serha, your GBF. We're not that hot or that young. But we believe it's a state of mind that helps us build adaptable and profitable businesses. We rely on the support of our design besties to get through each day. So let's explore the emotional, practical, and humorous sides of being interior designers. Welcome to the club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? Okay, I'm feeling really kind of fancy right now. Reporting live from our submarine, like... (laughs) So this is the first time we've recorded IP in person with a legit setup. Yeah, like the whole, it's like a, I don't know what this is, like a magic box. Yeah. Like it's a thing that connects our audio together. So we don't get like weird feedback and. Yeah. So Podcast Buddy, who are our editors, will definitely appreciate this because <laughs> they've they've had words for us after we've tried to like we janky, fucked around and found out. <laughs> like janky, Sorry, guys. Janky record. And you, like... You may know what we're talking about a couple of those. If you've listened to the episodes long enough, you'll hear that some of them are much worse than others where we're like in a room echoing off of each other and... Yeah, because we normally record 500 miles away from each other, which it makes it easy for the technical side of podcasting, but... It's more fun to be in the same room. Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Together. So, yeah. Anyway, we figured out what we need to do so that, yeah, it sounds better, hopefully. You're welcome. You're welcome, hotties. You deserve it. So, on that note, let's do a little housekeeping. Housekeeping. Time for the turndown service. So first and foremost, thank you in advance for clicking in to review our show. Yes, we love. The ratings are great. That's step one of being a design BFF. And then step two of being a design BFF is actually writing a little review and giving us some kind words. Please, please, please. Everything helps. Second. You should check out our shop. We have some downloadable resources that we've worked on and we think they're pretty accessible and plug and play. Yeah, we've tried to make it very easy. And like, I feel like the biggest thing that we did is like what a lot of other downloads don't do is that we handled all the copywriting for most people. Yeah, that's always the hardest part for me. So again, you're welcome. (laughs) Sean did it all. No. (laughs) (laughs) We've already handled most of what you might need to say to people. We got the words right. So make it in. You can obviously change everything into your own voice. But yeah, we wanted it so like you're not just trying to figure out how to say stuff. Yeah. And you can edit and make it yours. So that's at a shop.hotyoungdesignersclub.com. Dot, dot. Chop, dot. Shop dot <laughs> shop slash designer. Okay. <laughs> and we also love our, our loyals. Our loyal hotties over on Patreon. We've been having a lot of fun on Patreon, actually. Like I feel like the episodes that the the exclusive episodes that we post there, something about being told that I can be more free with what I'm saying makes me want to be. Not that well, we're not here, but you know it's what just it is like I don't know if we talked about this before. You're, you have a party, you host a bunch of friends over, and you're fun and you're yourself. Yeah. 
But then everyone leaves, but like your last three besties, and then you're like, girl, let's talk shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait till I tell you what so and so said across the room. Yeah, and and you can yeah. like piece together, like have commentary on. Did you see how sloppy they got? Like, <laughs> yeah, or like, what's up with that husband? Like, yes. So that's like when you can like really like let your hair down, take your shoes off, and. Yeah. Have a good chat. And you're helping them clean up the house while you're still talking trash. Like, Yeah, we don't do that on Patreon, but <laughs> we, that's like our, be, that's our behind the scenes. BTS. That's the behind the scenes. So those episodes are fun, but also our hottie hangouts have been really great. I'm like consistently surprised that people show up <laughs> every time. I know. And I just feel like... I learned as much in those. Like, we really want them to be a true roundtable. Like, yeah. here's a topic. Let's talk. We let's all share. Yeah. Sometimes we present a little more than other times, but it's not meant to be like the Sean and Rebecca show. So no, it's like it, less formal. We usually just have a guiding topic and then like, okay, let's just talk. Let's chat about it. So. And sometimes we, people just have like a burning question. They just want help. A place to ask. Yeah. So that was kind of the goal of it in the beginning was like, can we just find a place to be helpful with one another and connect and ask relevant questions? And we're always, we always stay a little longer. I don't think you can kick us out of an open room, but <laughs> like, we'll always talk a little extra. And so some people stick around, some people have to log off, but it's always like a pretty jam-packed hour for the people who are jumping on. And we aim for every other... F- Every second Friday. Sometimes here or there, it'll be a different, but we plan in advance so that way you can set it aside on your calendar. Yeah, and it was so cute. Recently, we saw on Instagram that two of the designers, we asked kind of where everyone's from and two of them ended up reaching out to each other and connecting. Unbeknownst to us, they set up a day to go to a showroom and they live within like an hour of each other. And they're already like, they're already helping each other and design besties. They pulled a Rebecca and Sean. It's like <laughs> the most heartwarming thing. So we've had like a few really amazing kind of notes, love notes lately that like one of them I burst into tears. Like Hi, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> that one was that one. Yeah, it was really sweet. You. It was we, like timed well. So. It makes a difference for us. But if you've missed out on if you've missed out on any good news is we record them all so you can go back later and watch them. So if you join our Patreon, patreon.com slash HYDC, you can still get to those past hottie hangouts, but the joy of seeing them in person is what's so exciting. And so in August, we talked about blog and newsletter strategies, which was opening for a lot of people who've never thought about it or worried about taking on too much. So the good news is, is there's some cool strategies that were brought up. And it's just a chore, but it's necessary. And in September coming up, we're going to be talking client gift ideas. So I think that's like, get ready for the holidays, even though it's like time to start now. It's basically, yeah, you have to be planning it now because otherwise you're going to get to December and be going, oh, fuck, fuck. And like, your actual holiday gifting is in I charge. got you a Hickory Farms smoked <laughs> meats box. I've ever told you the story that my grandmother sent. So she was like a notorious, like, bad gift giver. Okay. She was just kind of out of touch. And my brothers were always like the cool kids, like in their jams and their like Jimmy Z t-shirts and okay, stuff. Okay, okay. 
And one year they got a gift from her, but it didn't arrive. And we got like a message from the mail person like saying your gift is at the post office. And it took my parents like a week or something to get it. I think it was a box of gifts. And so there's, they unwrap and it's like this long tube, gift wrapped like a tube. They each had one. And it was a Hickory Farms giant sausage cut in half. They each got a half? A half. And then it was rotten because it was exposed and like... (laughs) It's supposed to be completely sealed until you eat it. old, so not only did they get a half... Nana's rotten sausage for Christmas. Half of a rotten sausage. Oh, it's... <laughs> Rest so, in peace. So now everyone jokes about rotten sausage at Christmas. Oh, that's like the best worst gift anyone's ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> I would want to recreate that for someone as like a gag when of like oh every God. couple of years just have someone unwrap something they think is like a shoebox size and inside <laughs> is half of a sausage. Covered in mold. Covered. Like you had to, you had to premeditate the rotten sausage gift. <laughs> yeah, you gotta to like plan it, in it at your own house. And it probably, who knows? It could have been a year old, like regifted as well, because oh, it was like full on grandma. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. So if you don't want to be a rotten sausage giver, you're gonna want to tune in to September's yeah, hottie hangout. Get it right. And I think we'll also probably talk about client thank you gifts and maybe onboarding and stuff like I'm hoping to get a lot of ideas. <laughs> I want better ideas I want and I want too many ideas I can always edit down but like when it comes to like that last minute oh god what am I giving them I always like cop out because I'm like okay well they everyone gets a plant because people get plants everyone gets a candle because people get candles and eventually I'm like do people really need more candles and plants like people some do. people don't like, I I've seen designers give cute custom candles, and I love that. I love that journey. But I always will. I'm like, I can't do that because I'm gonna want to do the most. And now it's and like how many hundred fifty dollar candles? Yeah, like I don't want to be. I'm not. I'm not quite there yet. But, but I like it, the idea. Unless it's actually like a hundred fifty dollar candle with like a foil label, and I want nice. I know. So full bouge. We gotta think about it. Okay. And I'm one. I want to. Get all the ideas. So tune in for that in September's Hottie Hangout. Please, please. And on the horizon, we're not quite there yet, but it's coming. And if you already haven't planned, you're like right at the cusp of it. But like High Point Fall 2023, fastly approaching. We will be at High Point October 14th through the 16th this year. We'd love to see you. We don't, we always run into this. We get DMs and they're like, I'm going to be there. And we're like, okay, but that's like saying, I'm going to Disney World. When can we meet up? And meanwhile, one of you is at the Magic Kingdom and one of you is at the Animal Kingdom. Right. And that's high point. So we will try to say, as we get closer, watch our Instagram. Make sure you're following along because that's usually where we can say, hey, we're going to go to the happy hour at this showroom tonight and you kind of got to be ready to go on the fly. But this time we are, we do have an official situation. We do. We're going to be on the hotspot tour. Yeah, we're having a hot, we're hosting a hotspot tour. I'm sure this is already in circulation. It's also their name, which conveniently works for our name. It totally is. The Hot and Designers Club hotspot tour. Get hot. Be hot. (laughs) 
That's hot. <laughs> so whether you're, we, I don't know that we're talking about a future situation from while we record do-do, this, do-do, yeah, like back in time. But if you haven't signed up yet and there's still room, please do. Again, mostly watch the Instagram for that. Yeah, and this time is our first time going to High Point as High Young Designers Club officially. Like, yeah, registered press. Yeah, so we're not... Of course, we're going to be looking for our own businesses, but yeah. it's You're still secondary. Studio Plum. I'm still Renstead Interiors, but yeah, High Young Designers Club is its own unique thing. And we're prioritizing all things So we want to see you. Yeah, We don't want to be hosting our own tour with just us so we want even if you're gonna look come to the showrooms that we're going to with us like we're going to a small amount of tours it's a minimal tour commitment it's like a half a day come hang out with us come talk shit with us yeah while we go through these showrooms that you're probably going to anyway or you should and we'll make it educational and fun of course and sh- oh my god, you should just hear Sean in a showroom. It's like <laughs> almost actually embarrassing. But <laughs> Rebecca has to <laughs> tell me to stop. Especially because a lot hear you. Some people can hear things, and then I'm looking at hairstyles that don't belong in certain parts of the country, and outfit choices that clearly just were not thought through, or but- fabrics that you hate. Like I'm like the designer's right there. I know. It's it's fun. It's it. It's just- like I said. I- I welcome an opportunity to be unedited and unfiltered. So more so, the merrier. Come join us. Okay. Speaking of squads. Squad goals. Squad goals. This was sort of built on the idea of like, I wish someone had told me sooner that I needed to like get this together. Also, I've just been thinking about it a lot lately. Like, you know, I need to like lock in some of these. I have a couple holes in this list for myself of things that have kind of not worked out in the past or I got to just step it up and find the person. Yeah. And I'm like, what is the list that you would have of who is like your back pocket trade list? Is this sort of like what they always told you? Like interns will just steal their designers' contacts. (laughs) And like, it's true because how do you find these people, when you're in the industry, you have to learn it from other designers. You have to talk to people. You have to, to source it. Learn the hard it. way. You How? have to go through a lot, of, kiss a lot of frogs. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately. And some, it, the truth we should acknowledge is that some designers and, and places can be gatekeepers and they don't want to share it or they're afraid like, oh, if I give you this person, you're going to start using them a lot and then I won't get to use them. They'll get too busy. Which, yeah. And it's kind of a fine line. Like, yeah, I don't necessarily publicly like sometimes state all will, of my trades. Yeah, like some clients will ask during consults only. And I'm like, well, if we're working together on a project, I'm happy to share that information because then you're locked in. But like some, I've had a few people book just virtual consults and they're local to me. And they're like, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I can't give out that person's information because they'll only work directly with designers or I really need to know what kind of project you're doing, but they just want to like mine yeah. my own list. And it's like, no, I'm, I am kind of going to gatekeep some of those with like a general consumer, but maybe I don't locally, I talk to other designers. I don't have that problem. 
Yeah. And because it's like the fine line of keeping these guys in business and paid and fed. And feeling like we're valuable people to know. Like, I like being a center of influence. I want them to remember that I've referred three other designers to them and that I mentioned their name in good terms. Because let's be real, there's such thing as a good referral and a bad referral. Like, yeah, I was always told, like, if you're getting bad referrals, like, find you need to really have good conversations with that referrer. Yeah. To just, it's not necessarily their fault. They just don't have the right information. Like they don't know what you really do all day or how you do or it or why. Or what you're looking for or, yeah. So. That's a good etiquette question, actually, of like, what is your best as we're talking to tradespeople, vendors, suppliers, or whoever is like, what does your ideal client look like? What does your yeah. ideal project look like? Because they might tell you, hey, you keep referring me to these like one window gigs and I really can't make money until I'm doing three to five windows. like Right. Or people that don't know what they want yet or mm-hmm. that's too, like, I don't just do one bathroom anymore or whatever. Because it changes too. Like, the yeah. business has evolved. I've like, con- maybe they'll do one bathroom for you, but they're not going to do it for a new customer. Yeah. So if that's like a contractor, yeah, I've had contractors who are like, I'll do it as a favor to you, but I don't really want to do those anymore. And that means please don't send me yeah. those all year. Like, I want your big projects too. Yeah. So let's let's hit it. So we'll go through them as quickly as we can. It's, we're kind of having the, t- asking the questions of like, how do you find them? How do you test them? Like, how do you set up a partnership with them? And can you make money? Or should you try? Yeah. Okay. So... Number one, let's just start with the big, the big one that most of us need. We need a stable of these. Stable of stallions? Stable of stallions, yeah. (laughs) Of contractors? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's taken me some time. I feel like I vet as much as I can. If you guys have looked through our Working with General Contractors Guide in our shop, there's a lot you can do to sort of like streamline that, but also just like asking other designers. I I find a lot of them or from clients even talk like clients will say like, oh, we've had a really great one. And I'm like, okay, tell me who it is. And I've worked with one repeat one who was like the client found them originally. And I was like, oh, this is a great, this is a great one. Like we're gonna yeah. keep him in the little in the short list. It's in the stable. It's in the stable. <laughs> He's in the stable now, but it's still hit or miss. Like I have some that I'm like, oh, your the quality is good, but the personality's not great. But like if you can get the job done, I would probably keep you around. Like or they'll do smaller jobs. So they kind of don't have a choice. Yeah. Edge on the market. Yeah. So I feel like I'm still kind of perfecting, I feel like, my list, but I do think having like a small, medium, large. Yeah. At from, least. From chucking a truck to like the big developer has their own team of project management like even if you don't have the projects for that yet but that's what you want to do like if your goal is to do new builds probably start like going to like we have like a nari group here that's can you spell that out for us damn it you knew i was going to ask you that i don't know i don't remember north american Re- renovation <laughs> industry Something. And it's N-A-R-I? I think so, yeah. 
And so, yeah, I didn't know about this till you said it. But yeah, like go so, to their meetings. So we have a pretty active group and there. It's mostly contractors, tradespeople, like tile installers or whatever. Yeah. And designers. So I feel like that'd be a good solid. Can you come out to look at this job or, or make NKB, this work? Or, or NKBA. Yeah, exactly. Like get talking to them. I don't, your question, you said like, oh, how can we make or should we make or whatever about making money off of them? I, don't, I just don't. I don't feel good about that. Like, if you want me to refer my design clients to you as the contractor, you as the contractor have to pay me for them, like a finder's fee or like a referral fee. I just, I don't love it. It just feels weird. And I've, this comes up in the threads a lot, just to keep it brief. But the idea of like, I bring good money to these contractors and then they treat me, you know, whatever. I'm like, okay, well, they're treating you poorly. Don't work with them. But like, if they're doing a solid job for you and they're being great with your clients, like, isn't that what you want? Like, do you need to also be making money off of them? Like, they're making money. You're making money. The client is happy. There's, yeah, I've heard some just, there's some weird ethical things with making money off of it that I don't totally understand. And I don't really want to get into it, but it it, feels like an ick to me personally. So that's why I'm like, it's so expensive, like tacking, like adding on a referral fee or something feels like why, why wouldn't I want them to instead like maybe overlook a change order or something or just be really amenable to the client and make my life easy and also be forgiving with me. Like maybe they pay it back in another way that's non-monetary and maybe they'll just send me a really nice rotten sausage at the end of the year. (laughs) Oh, maybe a half Z. Can you cut it in half three weeks ago? Maybe they'll just be more kind in other ways. And that's just like the car. I want to believe in the karma of the universe. And I don't really believe that I necessarily like, if I like working with them and I want to work with them, I don't know that I'm going to ask them to give me a fee or something. No. But I know design, I know there are some designers who do. So yeah, if you guys have things that work and different states, I don't know. There's just, yeah, we're in the Sue Happy West. So yeehaw. Okay. So the contractor, obviously that's like, kind of if you have a great contractor and the project warrants it then all of these other not all of them but a lot of these other trades you don't need to worry about but we find it helpful sometimes you just need a go-to to fix a problem yeah so like a finished carpenter yeah because it's not like if for a decor job yeah or you just want to add or- you just want to add some paneling to a wall or yeah. Casing uh, details or fix. something. Like I have a client right now that the the last owner just loved some quarter round. Yeehaw. So <laughs> like 14 trim pieces everywhere. Oh my yeah. god. Just full exposed nails and raw unfinished edges. Like it's not good. So you just cover it with some quarter round. But then there's the quarter round has unfinished. They just quarter cut- round has quarter round. <laughs> it needs it. So, yeah. So, I need to finish Carpenter on that project just to bring that. Home. Like, yeah, your full contractors aren't coming in and they're like, yeah, sure. Like, cool yeah. story, Jan. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just fix all these. They don't want to do doorways. that. You need yeah. like that kind of person to do it. And then 
that isn't a handyman because not all handymen are handy people. Right. I think they prefer handy okay, people. You're right. No, I'm just <laughs> I feel like overall handy, like that just feels so 1950s. Well, not like, handsy. I know. <laughs> I know, but doesn't it still feel like a weird term? Like I Oh, hand, you're handy. You work with your hands. Like you're handy. Good to have around. Just, yeah. Great in a pinch. Like this feels like they should be like from the 1950s. Well, what else? What, what other term would you use? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know that there's a better word. So it it does. You you want to try to cancel handyman? No, it's like, just like infantilizing. Like you say, Andy, Andy, Andy. But some of them are very well rounded. Yeah, some of them are practically contractors. They could be. They and just some of them are better than some of the contractors For that are sure. out there. But it, like a good handyman. Sometimes we'll be able to do like drywall patch and repair or, you know, they'll be able to handle some of your trim work or other details without it getting crazy. I mean, a good handyman, again, could... They might be your finished carpenter. Take up, yeah, like combine a lot of these. But not all are created equal. But so. let's also say that like for clients, they need to be licensed. Like they, yeah. they need, unfortunately, like in my own home, I have a handyman who I trust who is not licensed. But I trust him and I know what he's going to do and I don't push him past his boundaries. And, and he knows when to tell me something is beyond his skill set. And he's kind of done you dirty a little bit. <laughs> yes. I feel like a lot of handymen do <clears throat> for a lot of people. And it's one thing if it's your own house, but like if some of the shenanigans happen for a, a client, client, you'd feel like it's So th- that's down. where like it's mostly like I'll refer in that person, but they are, work- again, like they're working directly with the client, their contract, their agreement, their payments. That's all through. It's not through me at all. I and don't want to be just, looped but in. But that's just the legal that does not help the emotional. Like, oh, yeah. I still have to be still... like, I'm so sorry. This guy came into your house and now it's not the way you want it. And, and now, you got to get someone else. Like, And now I'm. And now I look like the enemy. Yeah. The villain. So, yeah, handyman, a good handy person is definitely on my list, my lookout list. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have not found the one. And sometimes you cycle through for a while. Yeah, maybe it's a few. Kind of under, could be under this, but there's also specific professional art installers. Yes. I have, I haven't used Claire has one that she uses all the time and I will use them if the when if and when the opportunity comes up and he'll just knock out a gallery wall. I love that. Yeah. I love if I don't have to do it and direct it all as heavily. Right. But he's also not just an art installer. Isn't he like an art consultant? Also, he is, like he actually, has an I eye have, for it. Like, I actually have used him before. He's also hung like fine art. I've had, I was like part of a project where he did, it was actually like a public space and he put like a lock on the art. Oh, yeah. So they can't be lifted. Like, yeah. 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 So there's lots of different it's fancy things they can do. Like, yeah, you don't want somebody to just put a fucking monkey hook in a wall and a $20,000 painting. I know. Cause some of these like true art installers are also focused on like exhibition setup. Mm-hmm. So they know what the right process is, the light exposures, like some, there's a whole skill level tech of like technicality level versus like a handyman art installer is like, just tell me where you want it. 
I'll measure it out. I'll get it on the wall for you. And then there's the like, this is important art. This needs to be insured properly. Like, we need this to be up on the wall the best way possible. Which I kind of like tagged in the idea of a gallerist as well. There's a gallery in town that they reach out to designers. I want to work on a project with them where you can kind of assign them something and they'll find fine art and they'll probably have the art installer as part of that. Yeah. Like I don't know anything about large scale photography art, but the client described wanting this shot that's like six feet wide by four feet high. Help me find it. Yeah. Or like like I want to support local artists, which is a big thing here in Sacramento. And I, I don't know every emerging new artist. I'm not actually hot. I can young. barely remember the fabric I used in a project. So let alone let me help it you find It is so subjective and I get like really like tied in knots around art sometimes. Yeah, because I need to know how serious people take their art. I really need to know. I like, feel like it's always I really want this to mean something to me. I'm like, oh God. I do I want it to mean something to them too, but like I at How that stage in the project, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm the one. But my favorite is when someone says that and then you're like, okay, great. So how much are you thinking of for yeah. this piece? And they're like, a hundred dollars. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, something like, I've done a couple times is, okay, I love that journey for you. Like, truly, I want you to be able to stumble upon something on your yeah. next trip to Europe. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, like, we don't have anything on the horizon and that's a big ass blank wall. So let's just get something semi not non-offensive, cheap, but yeah, but like we like it, but it's placeholder. And when when and the right piece comes along, then you know exactly what you want to be there, what size it should be, the oh, kind yeah. of the color scheme, and it's like kind of reframing it. <laughs> Da-da, waka waka, <laughs> and they totally accept it, and then they can just like put the placeholder up and move on, and probably never replace it. Yeah. No, they'll probably leave it because most people are going to, if they're that, if they've already waited this long into their lives to start collecting art, it's probably too late. Or huge art. I don't know. I mean, some of these clients that I've done it with, they probably will. Maybe. Someday. But it's going to be a huge, like I would just put a 30 by 50 piece up over that console. Like that's going to be a chunk of change. And it's going to be there a while. So... I don't think you can make money. Well, galleries, maybe. I don't make anything off of Finnish Carpenters, Handyman, like those types of people. But maybe on an art sale, they may offer a trade pricing. Like for big art. I think they do. They may offer a commission to you because you help bring that client in. Like it's worth asking. Like, do you have a commission structure? Do you have a referral structure? Do you offer a discount on it if you sell it to me? Does it matter? There's one near me that does... like referral or commission they don't like I'm not the salesperson like they're not reselling it through my license tax-free to me but they will sell it to the client and then give me a commission for bringing it in yeah because some of these like art's such a racket if there's a markup (laughs) you should ask I believe in art I believe in artists I believe in the creativity of it but a lot of fine art it's subjective is very subjective and like especially like fine quality prints or fine fine quality like photographers like they're not just issuing one of one most of the time so like some of this art 
is meant to be reproduced, which means that there's usually a healthy margin where they can negotiate a little bit and afford to pay me a commission versus like my handyman who I feel like my handyman always undercharges for everything. And it's a service, which is different. So yeah, if they're marking up a product, there's probably room in there somewhere. To give me something. If I'm helping them sell tens of thousands of dollars of art, like you don't got nothing for me. And photograph it and give them something beautiful to post on Instagram. Hello. (laughs) Okay, so tile installer. Tile guy? Tile guy. Do you mean like a tile guy or like a proper mason? Like licensed mason? I mean, probably both, but I'm just thinking tile guy. Okay. Because you, like, I've needed a tile guy for, I'm just doing the fireplace in this living room that yeah. I'm designing. Kind of on that line of a, t- of a handyman, but hopefully, like, someone who knows tile is a very specific skill set. Especially because we're probably specking something that's going to piss them off. <laughs> so As I always say, <laughs> we haven't done our job if the tile guy likes you, so. So they have to at least have the skills to back up their... I feel that anger. I feel that, yeah. If especially if it's if it's like, uh, oh, we're doing a bathroom refresh as part of this decorating project. We're changing the backsplash. I need a guy who's going to come in and just do that. Like, okay, yeah. You don't need the whole general contractor, but you want to get rid of the ugly mosaic glass tile. Yeah. So I think it's good to just have one and know. Done. What it is? Yeah. Not. I don't think any of the direct service providers really. I mark up. No. Are we bad for that? Are we like not? I don't know. Is that, are we good people or bad people? Because we don't want to do that. That's kind of the California contracting laws too, right? Yeah. If, if I, if I manage the contract and the payment for anything in excess of $500 in the state of California, I'm acting as a general contractor, according to the state, which not being a general contractor means I'm violating that law. So it's just easier to just, not manage it and also everything's so freaking expensive that like what isn't $500 or more and again like I don't want to like cut into their costs I'd rather them answer my calls and like do me a solid when I need one yes like make time for my client yeah so that might just be maybe we're victims of our location Possibly. and the laws okay a must have would be a good workroom like a window treatment workroom yeah I think my window treatment workroom also will do bench cushions yeah, like and like pillows Light for me. upholstery, as mine yeah. says. She's like, pillows, I got you. Maybe a bench. I think she'll also do like, if it's an easy headboard, you know, where oh. like she could do that. Like, you know, like recovering it from the front and it's just got like a black fabric or something. Like she mm. doesn't want to get into like... I don't think mine full... would have the space to like... And she wouldn't want to deliver and stuff. Something big, but yeah, here's mine. And since I found her, okay, so I found her. Since Sean found her, <laughs> five hundred miles away, I chased her across the country. Well, you had a project up here, and yes. we were like, we just don't have a good window treatment person. And I was and like, that's lies. Like that's impossible. Lies and Manelli lies. Like, but I, I asked and asked and asked, and so you went like. Deep dive on Yelp. And the there's like a... Uh, Luann Naguero would be mad at me right now because I can't remember the name of it. But the 
It's like the window treatment workroom people of America list, like a formal organization. And her, your workroom's registration had lapsed, but she was listed as a lapsed member. And I was like, I'm going to find this woman. And like like any good workroom, they have no social media presence or like they're just doing the work. Oh, yeah. They're in they just have their heads down and they refer on they they get referred or word of mouth business and so they're not interested in being publicly listed they don't want people calling them but it kind of looked like an inactive business so one morning and I needed one so I'm like okay I'm just going to db I'm just going to go drive by this random warehouse because I got you an address off of like Google or something. Yeah. And I just, the roll up door happened to be open and she was so shocked. Like, it was. Who are you? Like, what? Are Why you, are you after my family? What like, are you saying? Because it's not a place you drop I, you in. You don't want to know where I think I found her? Okay, guys, this is my secret from when I, this, this is my secret way of finding people from when I worked in, in wealth management and banking is California's business entity search function. So oh the state God. of California allows you to search business entity names and it shows you their business registration information, like who the owner is and their address. So if they have like their lawyer as their agent, then it's going to be their lawyer's office or their CPA's office, which is what most larger companies and people do. But a lot of small businesses, it's their home or it's their office address, like their shop, you know? Right. So it's easier to find people that way. But this is all part of public records. It's not a it's not a secret. Like you can find people that way. Yeah, that's still some PI shit though. I'm just letting you know. So but I I mean that tip would work for any of these. But you already had to know that she was what she was doing and where she was in order to find her. And the window treatment workroom database was a good place to start. And I actually called another there was another company listed out here by you guys and I just they did mostly like blinds and shutters and she said oh you know who you want to talk to is and then it's who you got mentioned okay so So, yeah that's been a great that was a great find and she's so the great thing about having a strong partner is she's helped she's helped me learn more about custom mm -hmm. drapery and window treatments and like pricing and selling, construction method. Yeah, like we'll brainstorm some things together if it's a tricky situation. She goes out and measures herself. Like she's very oh like, God. yeah, she's so like, I don't trust anyone else like to she do goes it. to every measure and every install. Yeah. Which is great. And she has her own installer. So that's like, it's a separate line item, but it's part of her service. So like you could, the next, you could separate like, there are people out there who just do measuring and installing on behalf of the workrooms. Which I definitely have that too, because there are some situations where I'm just doing. Like you guys do Graber, which isn't through your workroom. That's through you guys, which you need the measurements accurate and the installing done by someone else. Even if you order through Graber. I had a random cabinet guy drop in the other day and he he can he's like we're considered corporate custom which i thought that was like a really good way of describing it corporate custom so like for cabinets for instance it's like what the big cabinet companies that Mm. you can custom but it's like on the corporate level versus like that would be like graber's corporate custom corporate custom windows versus like your local guy 
I feel actually, yeah, that's actually a nice way of looking at it because your workroom is truly custom. Like they'll do anything and can, but corporate custom, there's some like there's limits, limitations, scalability, what they'll do. Like I get it. It's different for them to run it effectively. Like the costs may be less, but it's, I don't know. There's different things. How did you find your measurer installer? How did I find him? Someone referred him to me. I actually don't remember. Okay. <laughs> but someone said it, but who knows how. But like, I think that's how most of us find them is just asking around. Like my workroom, it's not an in-house installer for her, my window treatment workroom. And I said, will he do other stuff? And she's like, yeah, like I, he doesn't just do my stuff. I can't keep him that busy. So she was, I was like, is it bad if I have him install things like blinds, you know? And she's like, no, 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 do that. Cause I don't do that. I don't want to do it. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I kind of just like tested the waters and I, I'm like, I kind of preface it sometimes like with the whole, like, totally feel free to say no. I completely understand. Would your installer do stuff like this? And she's like, yeah, yeah. Like, go ahead. Yeah. Get permission. And I think that's the fair thing to do. And, and just ask people like, if not, is there somewhere else you would redirect me? Like, this is just how we got to build the list. It's like, be humble, accept no, move on. Yeah, just be curious. Yeah, and he actually also, this guy particularly, also would measure a house for me. Like a floor plan? Mm-hmm. Oh, so like measurements Because he'll just also... like, I'm just, yeah, we'll measure shit. Numbers are numbers. Yeah. All right. Because I wouldn't necessarily use him to install like truly custom drapery per se. Okay. Like I'd rather go through the workroom who's like, cause oh, she'll yeah. go and make adjustments and stuff. Like she'll take if it the back to the machine. Or, yeah. 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 Like if the, if the, like, my, like when they install the draperies and stuff and you watch them like fiddle with the placement of the brackets because the floor isn't even in an yeah. old house and you're like, this is an art. Like, yeah. And wow. Like, it's my, so good. My regular, like, the measure installer guy that I'm talking about, he he wouldn't really know maybe what exactly the art part of it is. Yeah, but he's going to clip in those blinds. He'll get the motorization He'll get the working. In, yeah. Like, get them all paired, done. But, like... He'll call customer service if something's off. Yeah. So, he's been great. I like that. Who's next? The... Oh, wait. We're... I can make money off the installation of the ones that go through the workroom because it's kind of bundled into her costs. Yeah, like versus corporate custom stuff. Like, yeah. that's how my workroom works. Like, I do charge for if I'm if it's my fabric selections, I'm charging more for those fabric selections to make money on the fabric. Definitely make money off the window treatments, like the product. I usually like a lot. I usually let her select and specify like the liner. Like I don't yeah. care. You got y'all, I don't care. Some people will care, but I don't need to make money on the liner. I don't care. Oh, I just mark it all up. Like the whole number gets marked up, but like I'm not ordering lining fabric. Like No, and I just do my hardware through her too for those projects, even though I could Break yeah, it off. I let, because then she's also specking the measurements and all the details. So I feel like, no, she did the legwork for this. Like if she makes yeah. money off of it and I'm not convinced mine really marks up very much on her stuff because I've looked at some of them and I'm like, I don't think she really marked up 
the hardware on this that much, but maybe she's getting a better price than what I see. You know, I will say window treatments have stayed so old school that the markup has stayed baked in. Yeah, like, I don't. I think she could make more off of the product. But like, you know, a lot of other companies have gone more public or like internet savvy. So that just keeps making keeps it harder and, harder and harder. Yeah. Like a shade store. You look at shade store, you're like, holy shit. Like, but no one's making money <laughs> off that but the shade store. I mean, designers kind of can, but not, not really 50%. Yeah. No, I make more, I make more margin, but I do have more legwork and like contact with my workroom. Because, yeah, I need to be involved. And it's not like a one-stop thing. I have to have a couple conversations, collect an estimate and a bid, pick the items. But I also have a ton of creative freedom. Yeah, and she'll like text me like, is this what you're thinking? Like, And I'm not going to get that somewhere. No. Yeah, so anyway, d- definitely make that make money that happen. Cabinet maker? I know, this one's an up and a down, upsy-downsy, as we like to say. Like, you kind of make money, but not really. Mm-hmm. Like there are designers who are making money off of their cabinet makers. Some aren't. I think you need like, you need the range. Like I've referred in quite a few cabinet makers into projects where the contractor's like, I don't really have a custom person that I think is a fit for this. Do you have someone? Yeah, I'll bring them in, whatever. But I don't really like make anything off of that. And I know everyone, look, if you're all yelling into your speakers telling us about it, I, we hear you, but we're just not, that's not where we're at. Also though, everyone's brains work differently. Like there's, I just don't want a lot of heavy responsibility on me for some of that super detailed stuff. Yeah. And like a recent job, the, co- the, the, the cabinet guy was definitely like a, he has the technical skills to build it, like the trade skills to build cabinetry, but he doesn't really have the software and other skills to make sure the drawings are reflective. Like he knows what you're saying, but we purposely had to go through and we're like, why don't we refer to our drawings? And then he can add his notes on top of that stuff. But we need to make sure that like there's a contract document. And I said that because he was drawing on like graph paper. And I'm like, I hear this. I love that this is old school enough that you guys did this. But if something goes wrong... This graph paper where we can't even read the notes on it is not a good document to refer to. No. Like, not when we're doing a whole kitchen and three bathrooms. Oh, my God. No. So, we, my drawings were the start of the shop drawings, and then he added other things to them that we then, like, literally, client was, like, manually initialing the pages because he just didn't have that. And that was more just my, like, cover my ass, like, I don't want anyone coming back later saying that's not the cabinet we asked for. So Yeah, and so you want all of that. I it. wanted all of that out there. But I think you do need like the technical cabinet maker who's got all the software and the CNC machines and they know what they're doing. And then you got the guy who kind of works in his own garage or his own little shop and yeah, he's could like, make you like a built-in bench, like a Bankhead. Bankhead. Yeah. Or, or like, like a built-in bookcase or something. Yeah. Like you kind of need those guys who are at the small scale. You need like a one little guy and then the big guy yeah. that you know you trust locally. Yeah. And I have one guy who I can really kind of get wacky with. But... He can get wacky right back. Or <laughs> drop off the face of the earth. So he'll come back, but you just never know when. You don't know when. You don't know when. Yeah. It's kind of a problem. It's a thing. 
but sometimes he's an I just, artiste. I just can't quit him. But they are hard to find, and that's the other part of it. Yeah. Is some of them aren't listed in registered or places. It's a, sort of a dying trade. Also that, and then it's also like I found all of mine through word of mouth. So I do constantly ask people like, "Oh, that job looked great." Other designers that project looked really great. Did you enjoy working with the cabinet maker? No. Okay. Can you tell me their name so I can avoid like <laughs> blacklist? Like, tell me who to avoid. And I will make sure not to not to call them. Or if they're brought in for a job, I'm probably going to ask for another quote from someone else. And there's different skill and love finish quality levels. Yeah. And then there, I know a lot of designers have that corporate custom kind of program that they've bought into. And like a d- stocking dealer for... Yeah. yeah they're yeah. like a, kind of their own little showroom, which totally works for some people. I don't want to learn the lines in that much detail. So I have another designer that in the past, when that seems like a good fit, I've kind of taken the job to her and like she subs out the cabinet part. And I do make a little money. Like she has like... Because she's the... She's the real like warranty holder slash manager of the service for that. And I get like 15% back from her. That's nice. Yeah. Especially on a kid, like, and she goes and does all the measurements. Like Forty grand she, on cabinets and stuff, like, she knows the lines inside and out, and there's you know five million skews and <sighs> things. No, thank and you. like, oh, if you want that, then we got to go up to this level and this no, whole different collection. I know, so I don't want it. I don't. That's either. why, and that's why most. I think most of my contractors are like, I'd rather just go custom because then I don't have limitations and I can sure. do it. Faster and on time, but it doesn't always work with the budget. So, you know, no. make make decisions. So that's why you kind of got to have your list. Okay. Got a little range. Okay. Done. Similarly, upholsterer. Yeah, like if your workroom, your window treatment workroom, you've moved past light upholstery. Yeah, furni- like furniture. Yes. I think you need a few levels of those too. You need the guy who's like, hey, I'm just trying to build like an ottoman. Like I want a round ottoman that's this diameter. Just like recovering some dining chair seat cushions. Exactly. Yeah. Like I've got some vintage pieces or the client wants to rework this bench. I think it's a great bench. Can we just recover it? Like, So I have like a fantasy unicorn hunt that I feel like somebody should do this. Okay. And I know places are, I know there are places that do, but here, somebody that does wood repair and finishing like restoration along with upholstery for things like dining chairs or vintage chairs with wood frames like my, exposed frames. my upholster has a wood restoration you know refinishing guy who comes to his shop See, if there's pieces yeah. there to be you're in la so like that's we're like covered a, in it we're yeah. covered like y'all i don't think people talk about it enough but like la was is like an upholstery paradise yeah like, it was a main hub for a lot of textile manufacturing post-World War II. Like, textile and fashion for a long time, especially because it was one of the first areas to get a lot of trade commerce with Asia, mm. has just... The district is huge, yeah. Huge access. Also, like, a a really big audience of clientele that needed a lot of that it's at like one point It's like a huge market. And a lot of it stuck around, but it is still sort of like a, as, as manufacturing moves overseas, it stopped, but there's still like completely bespoke 
upholstery shops and woodworking where they're like, it doesn't just have to be a sofa. We'll make you a whole piece of furniture because the skills we use to build frames and pieces for sofas, like we can do this. But I think you need like the entry level guy and then the restore guy. Yeah, I I mean, I'm sure there. I just need to work a little bit harder on making this happen. Don't but. make me do it. My <laughs> FBI <laughs> Liam Neeson background check people. Yeah, because I've talked to a few and they're like, they don't do the wood part or the wood guys don't want to touch the upholstery, which I understand. But either yeah. they need to like get in cahoots. But hello, and have, furniture has both. So like, mm, yeah, <laughs> like come on. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. And a good upholstery company will just. They'll handle it. They'll handle it. And a bad upholstery job is no bueno. Yeah. I have been wanting more and more the ability to have access to like complete custom. So I think it's a wise strategy to seek it out. I guess the like, how do you make money off of it? You definitely can as yeah. well as this is, this is the hundred percent way of how you don't get chopped because they, you can't, they can't, they can't, <laughs> it doesn't exist. All the details, all the fine tuning, the foam, the fill, the welt, the fabric, the, Oh, the back of this sofa is just needs to be it's rounded. One of a, you're making it one of a kind. Truly custom, not just made to order. So you need that person. Yes. So I guess we're talking about a few different things, like a reupholsterer. Yeah. Versus a bespoke furniture maker. Making you a sofa, which I actually am working with somebody in LA to do that. But also, like, we have a company that's semi custom that we order from, and they're out of Ohio. Yeah. But that's for a catalog of furniture, basically. That's a semi custom that we can choose some things, but yeah. But I'm not giving them an old vintage chair to. Exactly. And you can't fully customize those pieces. You can make adjustments and changes within reason and within their decisions, but like a full bespoke custom furniture Yeah, so I think we're talking about a local upholsterer. Who will like build a frame, make the piece. Or reupholster something that is either the client's owned or... You got something cool. You got like a vintage thing. Okay, so can you make money off of that? If it's a full custom piece, yeah, yes. Oh my God, a lot. <laughs> if like it double just depends, it. though. Like if you buy something from a vintage dealer and you spend two thousand dollars on it, and now you got to go get fabric and have it all redone, I like <laughs> I mean, just whatever the market will allow. Basically. I know. I keep watching all the adventures of everyone finding like baker sofas, where I'm like, oh yeah, rebuilding that frame. Would already cost more, so it's worth investing in a really great fabric and doing it. But it also is still expensive, and people oh. forget that. Like, I'm sorry, You've seen my living room? It's full I of know. ugly ass. Your menagerie, shit. but you have to like. Not every client is going to pay for that. Like, they could find something new at or lower than that price, mm. and they'd have to really love that frame that it's on. Like a new baker piece is obviously more expensive. But I if, guess. But I'll if they just love no. the size and the shape and the whatever, you can get it cheaper somewhere else probably. My baker chairs, when I get them reupholstered, I'll be four, five, six, seven. I'll be about seven, eight hundred dollars in costs for each one. And that's a chair and an ottoman. 
So yeah. I could sell them for probably 15. I could double that pretty easily. Sh- oh, yeah, yeah. That feels fair. Depending on the fabric. But, but like a whole sofa sometimes is yeah, not worth That's, know. you know, 16 yards in or something. Like, right. And how bougie you want the fabric to be. Pretty bougie. Yep. So yeah, you can make money off of it though. And you should make money. You got to work the system. So don't buy, you got to buy, like if you're doing vintage, you got to buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. <laughs> yeah. If what I, am I bid? Like some like, of these people that are trying on Facebook Marketplace, I'm like, no. Like that thing is I can is see trash. your staple gun. Like. Yeah, no one's, no one's wanting that. No, like, I have a hard time getting on board with that because I, yes, I see it and it's valuable and there's a market for it and there are people who want it. But. It's not really for our design clients. It's not really the quality level that I would put in like this whole like... Some of it is. I mean, you know, I have like a fantasy side business, side hustle where I just... Another one? Get a warehouse. What? And have this bespoke. So I have all the vintage pieces in my little warehouse. I have a mini version of this right now. I just don't have any clients for it. Have all the vintages that I'm hoarding. There, I got really cheap upholstery, like the pieces, like I have a sofa I got for free. Yeah. It's so cool and horrible. Yeah. It needs like full new foam and fabric and everything. So I could have all these like ugly ducklings in mm-hmm. the warehouse and then the clients could, like not a client, like a person could just come shop. The I love this. Let's reupholster it. And you're like, great, Here's give all the me fabric money. options and I'm just going to handle it for you. It's going to cost yeah. money. Like, Yeah, it's not cheap. No, it's not cheap, but it's done and cool and custom. Okay. It's like your Island of Misfit toys. Yeah. But it's upholstery. Island of Misfit upholstery. Yeah. Okay. But I don't need well, another business. It's another journey for a different time. Up next, everyone needs a everyone needs a wallpaper installer. I mean, are you even a designer in 2023 if you can't get wallpaper installed? You need it. Like you need you have to have it. And you need you need to really get references on skill and ability because there are a, quite a few out there who are just like, "Oh, I know everyone wants wallpaper, and now I'm suddenly a wallpaper installer," but they lack the skill to work with materials like these are also notoriously hard to find it's like hunting unicorns of like we have a few good ones here actually surprisingly i have a couple great ones one how'd you get all their names like other designers or like other designers actually one of them was from a client or instagram actually one of them i found on instagram that's a new rarity yeah some of them are probably tagged in a designer let's be real yeah yeah. i probably that's how I found my window treatment workroom. Yeah. Another designer had tagged her and I was like, wait a minute, she's near me. And I was just so excited. So I feel like with wallpaper, they really need to demonstrate their ability. And they also cannot be opposed to like collecting information from you. They should like to vet them, they should be asking for like, pictures maybe even a site visit they're gonna they want to inspect the paper or make sure that you sent the details for the paper like a link to it yeah i would send the link they want to know like how is this made what's it made of what are the inks like 
Did you check the dye lots? Like, there's so much to ask. And I really How much them. does this cost? Like, how big of a risk am I taking? Yeah, because they should know that because otherwise they're like, oh, I could do this. And then they're like, I have fucked up a whole roll. And you're like, okay, that'll be a thousand dollars. Thanks. Like, you need, they need to be able to like guarantee the level of workmanship. So I know you've and had some run ins. Yeah. I, know. I think, I don't know. Did I tell it on this podcast? Podcast where it was a BTS. Yeah, he my he's a good installer. He's actually like a second generation installer, and he installed. I had two different wallpapers in two different rooms, and he flipped them. He flipped them. That's a partially. It's partially my fault because he transposed them on the like the work order work on his yeah proposals. So always check everything. Double check. Like he had it all right, except for the names of the wallpaper. So months later when he went to install, he just didn't look at my picture. He followed his paperwork. He didn't look at my drawings anymore. He just did it. So Now you're making me want to go to like... That was costly for both of us. Go to job sites and tape up the paper. Yeah. Like, It was out of town or I probably would have stopped in. Hi, client. I'm mailing this to you. You need to tape this up in the room it goes in and say this paper here. And like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's like the, the whole t- tell the doctor which leg to amputate. Like, <laughs> yeah, you not sharpie this one. your leg, not here. Like, I wouldn't even have thought of, I wouldn't even have thought that no, was possible. You've never had happening. that problem before. And you just learn as you go. But so we split. So on that job, on that particular situation, we split the cost of the new paper at cost and he ate his installation day which sucked for him because he was also out of like he drove two hours to go to it so yeah he lost time on it too but so did you lost money you lost money he lost paid time and that was the straw that broke that client's back Uh, yeah they were definitely like over it so i feel like it's hard you test it you might you might. I would definitely use him again. Like it wasn't him being unprofessional. It was just like, okay, now I know it. he has the skill to do that job. Yeah, but for you've sure. got to double check everything. You can. I don't charge for the installation because again, it's like no. charging for a contractor. But I do make money off the wallpaper. So yeah, try to build in some money into that. And like you're always trying to make something amazing, and wallpaper will definitely do that. You make it amazing. Okay, uh, electrician. Need a couple. Yeah. You need like the, hey, we want to change this single, we want two sconces next to this vanity. We want whatever. Like, I had a set of built-ins for a design, a furnishing client, and the built-ins were going in and we're like, okay, you're going to need some electricians to come in because there's picture lights above these built-ins that are going to get built. And I can just pass along two to three names. I always try to do like two to three just so it's like I'm not guiding you to the only name of like yeah. liability. Like here's and a few availability. names. Yeah, like here's a few names. Call around, and then it's up to the client. Like you pick who you like. You get the quotes from who you like. Yeah. So like your contractor will have them get their own for their big jobs. But I also ask those contractors: mm. Will your like? Oh, this plumber did a really nice job. Will they do? smaller projects and they'll tell me like no they only want to they really only want to do like big projects rough in I handle whatever or same thing with electricians like oh will they do will they come out to that no they just want the construction side they don't want to handle 
like one-off stuff from clients. So, but you definitely need, yeah, f- just a light fixture. Or I recently had a banquette custom built that they wanted power in it, like a for charging, like yeah, a cafe. Okay, and, like a Starbucks, yeah, yeah. But he came before he prepped it, so that when the cabinet guy installed the the rough end was in. already there. Yeah, yeah. And then he came in later, and so, that's what you want. Like you want someone great. who's like, okay, they've. I'm going to tell them what we're doing for this project. They're going to handle it. It's done. Like And somebody that knows how to use email and can answer the phone and use a calendar. And so he, like that guy, I'm like, oh yeah, he'll just show up when he says. I know. Versus this is a guy who can do electrical. No, like, we want like... We just need to hit elect- a target. Like, can you show up in the next two weeks to yeah. do this I, yeah. chandelier? I don't play that whole like, I'll let you know when I can make it. Like, no, we're you need to tell me what day you can commit to be there. Like, annoying. same. So, electrician definitely don't. I did not mess with marking them up. I don't touch that. Same with a painter. I feel like I don't touch, I don't pay, I don't make any. I off feel the like painters. painters and electricians are similar breeds. Yeah, but I do spend, I spend time like. With I make sure they have a paint schedule. If it, if it is like a refresh, like furnishing only decor project, and it's like we're just painting the living room and the trim, I make sure they have a paint schedule, and I describe it all. And it's like it's Sherwin Williams, whatever this sheen, this finish on this stuff, this on the walls. Like they have a schedule, yeah. so they are like, please don't f this up. Like yeah, here it is. You charge the client. This is the approved colors. You need a couple of those. Yeah. And people that can deal with like tricky things and cabinets. Like if you want somebody to repaint cabinets. Yeah. One different maybe person. My cabinet finisher painter is different than like my room painter person. Like the cabinet finisher will do staining and like enamel coats and like super fine finishes. Yeah. My painters are mostly just like, you want me to brush it, roll it or spray it? And where? Like, tell me where to point yeah. the gun. Like, they just want to go. So, but everyone needs those. I think really important is having, unless you're just like, or maybe you have a team of people, but like a draftsperson and yeah. or an engineer. I think it's both. I think it's both. Because I'm not working on gigantic draft. So maybe we should connect this to another one, which is like, It'd be great if you had a couple go-to architects who could handle various scales of jobs. Because I have one who's like, I'm only doing jobs greater than 250000 I have one who's like, oh, no, I'll do stuff that's less than that. That's fine. And then I have the like draftsman who's like, hey, we're just adding a master suite on this house. We need to get this up, a permit set for this. And then he usually refers in his engineer, but it'd be good if you had like, here's a few local engineers who would create the engineered signed, sealed, calculated set that goes with that permit document? Yeah, I feel like you kind of need, in my experience so far, like a mix. So I have a drafts person that I've been working with the last year. She's back east and she just does, she just makes my chief architect drawings legible (laughs) in NKPA standards. Yeah. And she'll do, like, I want to like, Get in there, do the floor plans, like paint the walls, like visualize it for me and my client to sell the vision. Yeah. 
And then but, she puts the technical piece. I might have nudged that window over. Like, I don't want to put all the elevations together. Like, I just, I can, but I just, it's not my zone of genius and yeah. I don't want to. So she's doing those for me, but she doesn't do any kind of engineering or anything. Yeah. So if there is a need for that, then sometimes I've had to bring that in independently. But then there's like architect engineers that they just like, there's. I know. I don't want to mess with it. But also, again, depending on your municipality, it's different because I know there are some counties where it's like, just get a little sketchy together, walk it into the desk. They'll, Technically, it's done. you like, can do that in Sacramento. Yeah. You can. You can. But what I found for a lot of counties, especially in California now, is that they just want so, they want Title 24 reports and they want, they want proper plumbing and electrical plans. And I'm sorry, like there is a limit on what I'm going to do. My architect will do that. His team will do that. But like my draftsman, there's some limitations sometimes. Or Not like always, if you do but, one thing, it triggers the need for a new code. Right. Like the one of them is like, for where I'm at, most of them are, if you touch, if you touch a window or door location that like on the exterior, like it's going to change the exterior in any way, they now want exterior elevations. And then if it affects more than one wall, then they want all the walls of the house with exterior elevations. And you're like, oh, fuck me. Like, but that design sometimes make, is you're just like, we got to do it. Like, I'm not going to leave that window alone because it messes everything up. Yeah. So just ask around. I mean, that may be like on a need to have basis, but. My main guy I found from a contractor. I was like, I need yeah. someone who can do drawing sets. Do you have someone you've worked with before who would do a permit set for something? And, and then the other, my other one, I asked another designer. I was like, my one guy is like completely busy and inundated all the time. Do you have anybody? And he's more expensive, but he'll do the, he's not an architect, but he will draft it. And he has a couple engineers he'll send plans out to to get sign off. Yeah, and the woman that I've been using, I found her through the Chief Architect website, I believe. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, so see, I could do some you internal can do investigation as well. FBI. Okay, we got to move quick. We're getting long. So we have some professional services that we don't probably need to go too into detail with. Definitely, these are them. people we pay, I think would be the difference, right? Yeah. This is your squad. This is your tight, like... It's like your internal my team, team squad. squad. Yeah. Dump two, they're two different things, and you need both. A bookkeeper and a CPA. Yeah. One, one keeps your book straight. <laughs> the and, other gets your total financial life together. And taxes. And taxes, and like strategy, and goalkeeping, and hopefully bigger picture reporting. This is a huge need of mine, and I have some deadlines internally for myself this month. You got to have a good one and you'll probably churn and burn through a few over the course of your career because (sighs) they are not all meant to, as you grow and you scale your business, they can't keep up. Yeah. Been there, done that. Or I'm just like, yeah, tired of fighting myself and them. So an attorney. Yes. For contracts, but also to like bounce things when stuff gets a little dicey, like, Hey, I need your advice. Can I get 30 minutes retainer time? We just need to go through it and they'll tell you what to do. Yeah, and it would be a good like I I need a new one now, but I've had one in the past where I've gotten into like maybe hot water, like my old company. Like, can I just need 
to know is this a problem (laughs) yeah Yeah, or like like, or how much exposure do i have on this yeah or what should i do like should i how should i respond to this situation so it's just good to have somebody that you can call absolutely web person yeah somebody who can help you when you've effed up your coding or you are like I don't know what I'm doing in my WordPress I actually have this on retainer so he does I found him on Fiverr or something Mm -hmm. and just I pay him a hundred bucks a month and he maintains my WordPress which honestly most months he doesn't have to do anything but recently I got hacked or like the apps, like making sure the compatibility between different plugins yeah, like and stuff. My WordPress, like, I'm not going to upgrade that. It's going to break everything. So he does that kind of stuff for me. Like all the compatibility. If there's been weird things that I'm just like, yeah. This is no. coded funny. I can't fix it. He'll fix it. So I think you need someone like that because when it happens, it's too late. Yeah. So you need the like, oh my God what happened? Please fix the format. And like my guy backs up my site automatically and he keeps yeah, he the previous that. versions. I and think- I think he originally did a streamline, but I'm not saying the words right. Do you want to play? He like charades? cleaned up the back end. Like the coding, yeah. got rid of stuff, made it more sustained. Yeah. Yeah. And mine will tell me stuff like, hey, that we did a speed report on your stuff and it's loading really slow. So Google's going to punish your searchability if it doesn't start moving faster. Here's what we got to do to make it faster. Yeah. Or I had some big ass photos that were like way too oversized. And maybe he's, maybe they're the same, but maybe they're not the same as an SEO, like search engine optimizer person who helps you get the right stuff in your site. So it might be different. I think we'll interview him, but I met and talked to this SEO guy once who he says there's two different, there's different kinds of SEO. So there's like technical SEO, I think he called it, which is what my web guy does, where he just Mm -hmm. makes sure there's not things that are going to punish you or are coded weird. But then like a true SEO person is. It's strategic. To try to get you to show up in more places for more people. Yeah. And yeah. He, this guy's got all kinds of info. So I'd love to hire him one day because that can be a game changer for yeah, sure. Yeah, I would love to be like the first designer that comes up in Long Beach when people search and into your design. It's like gamified a little bit. Like he'll set a goal of I want you to be in the top page of this search and there's like cares that much about that yeah it's cool it's like a video game like i bet i can get so smart i bet i can get you in the top five in your region let's see yeah like done yeah so we need to interview him you really want i would love a content like a social media content person like the person who helps create it they have a content schedule they manage it they get me out there because i just don't have the wherewithal they're like like maybe gen z so like they knew the. they've already kept up so old but like wes anderson meme like we we did it in the beginning not Yeah, I want to see people who can... Because I just cannot. And I know a lot of hotties listening. I know you identify with this. I You're going to be like, Sean, shut up. Or Rebecca, shut up. But like, just because we're we're like in a nice place with our feeds doesn't mean that I wouldn't like to take a step back. Like, I'm imagining all the time it would give me and the relief it would give me to have someone else. But I've also watched several many successful designers (laughs) 
bring that help on and move into like the stratosphere of a new level for their business. And I think that that's a really great place to be. Yeah, it's like I think it's definitely a place where I know I can get out of my own way. And you do need to be kind of objective about what you're selling. And sometimes it's hard to like, buy me, buy me. I need to get out of my own way. I want someone to tell me what to do. I want to be talented. Or what doesn't make sense? Like what is... That's so cute, Sean. We're not doing that though. Well, or like... (laughs) Don't spend your time on that. What does a person who's new to your site what don't they understand? Like, what are, what have you not clarified? Well, because you know it so well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm too close. So that would be great to have like a social media manager, a content producer. Like they're probably one in the same in my mind, but who knows? Okay. And number 20, this Mm -hmm. one's kind of cute. You need a whole group of design besties. You really do guys. I know we talk about this all the time, but truly, truly, Truly outrageous. <laughs> Gem. Gem in the holograms. <laughs> Without outrageous. my design besties, I don't know. I, I th- it's not possible. I think I would have quit. <laughs> Squad goals. We would have we would have ditched this business a long time ago. Maybe in the my peak of twenty twenty. Depends on you. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> if you quit, I quit. But it's like, I mean, like I got an email today from a prospective client, like, okay, how do I respond? Is it too thirsty if I reply half an hour (laughs) later on a Saturday? Like sometimes it's stuff like that. And sometimes it's like, yeah, here's what's on my plate today. I'm putting this out here for accountability. I want to come back. Ask me later how I did. Like, yeah, because we don't always have the coworkers. So our design besties are each other's coworkers. And and I also am not going to necessarily ask my team about something that I would ask you about because I can unfilter even more. Well, some of it's, yeah, like... Some of it's them. Proprietary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like proprietary, like you don't want your team knowing how stressed about money you are sometimes or them. Well, yeah. they're listening now, but... <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. I mean... And when you're like trying to reach goals for yourself, you're just like, I just need to tailor the audience I talk about this with. And we've obviously, we're at a very different level of vulnerability than probably most designer besties, but you can get there. It took time though. Like, I mean, so again, like little by little plugging, we use the Marco Polo app for this where we just drop video messages every day. So it's not real time. Even though sometimes Sean and I go through times where like I'm we're literally, literally watching you, it says that you're on there live and you're watching me. And then record. I call you <laughs> and then we like talk on the way home. So it's kind of like 2010 again. What were we doing? In I don't know. For me, like in 2010, like I was video just chatting? like calling people in my commute. Oh, I did that all the way up through. <laughs> Maybe because that's when I had at a least commute. Through, yeah, at least through 2015. But then from like 2015 to 2017, before I left the bank, I was on the train a lot, which it's like, I I was never that person to like have have my conversations while I'm on the train. I guess it's also like, I just haven't had friends in a long time that I've felt compelled to every day. Like, what'd you do today? Like growing up, like I always had that. Yeah. What are you doing tonight? But you kind of age out of it. <laughs> but having this business, like I've needed it again. We yeah. talk about personal stuff too a little bit. But, but you constantly need the like, I don't know. Is this right? Is this, this sound so good? so hard. There's so many different things to think about. So you need your, de- you need your besties. Get them. And you need these other, well, we tried to make it 20 something, but we went 
We did 20 something. That's a lot. Yeah. We 21 did. Jump Street. <laughs> One hour and 20 minutes. Look at us. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was destiny. It was kind of a, okay. Well, I hope you all have we'll a run. giant list that you're working with now and you have some goals for yourself to ask around. Maybe circulate. Honestly, put it in a spreadsheet and circulate it to a bunch of people. Ask them to sign up like it's a potluck. Oh, like, that'd be good. <laughs> a little directory. First come, first serve. Everybody put your name here. That's this a good is- idea. I know. I do feel like I want to like lock this into a spreadsheet because sometimes I think I forget about people. I have the. I have. I have one and then I forget to maintain it. So this is my self-reminder. This is your goal. You got it. Squad goals for all of our hotties. And until next time. Stay hot, designers. Thanks for listening to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. For more on what we talked about today, check out the show notes. Your support helps us grow, so share with your design besties. And subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Our conversations continue on Instagram. And be sure to download our monthly resources on our website and our Patreon. 